Welcome in to the Strike Zone podcast. I am Joe Hunk. As you join me every single uh, week, every single Thursday, as a matter of fact, and in fact, it's always kind of unique as we get going on the Strike Zone podcast because of the time of the night that we do it is also kind of a pivotal night when it comes to baseball because a lot of times there's a game that's going to be wrapping up. Now, if you joined us last week, and I encourage you that if you didn't miss that, we went back and obviously you can go to our Spotify. You can also go to our uh, Apple Podcasts and you can listen to it there uh, no matter where it is. Or if you just want to watch it because you like watching uh, the Strike Zone podcast, then we absolutely appreciate that. Make sure that you give us a follow. Uh, at 104.5 The Zone, no matter where you are watching from or no matter where uh, you are listening at or if you're kind of like me and you just listen to podcasts as you're driving. I appreciate that. As we are talking right now, the Field of Dreams game is actually in the top of the eighth inning and the White Sox are currently leading uh, seven to four. Now there's a few things that we're obviously going to be hitting on tonight. Uh, the Field of Dreams game that is happening right now is kind of one of those. The other one, of course, is the hat that I am rocking, which is the Atlanta Braves and the run that they have made over the course of the past few days. Um, and what's so great about this is, look, I was kind of right, and I was also kind of wrong. So if you go back to that podcast that I told you about uh, just a little while ago, if you go back there and you watch that, you will see that we predicted uh, last week that the Braves would be in first place uh, on Thursday when we did the stream again and did this podcast again. Well, they were in first place until about 4 o'clock today, and the Phillies got a win over the Dodgers, which was their first win of the series, and the Braves just absolutely shellacked. Now, as we go along throughout the podcast, just like we always do, you can throw in a comment, you can get in, and you can talk about and ask the questions and talk about whatever you want to, baseball-wise, non-baseball-wise, whatever you want to do. But we do always appreciate you do. Make sure that you give us a like, give us a share, give us a follow. All of that really helps us out because, look, from here on out, man, the baseball is about to get really, really good. And if you are a baseball fan, especially right now, if you are a baseball fan of a team that does not have a comfortable lead in the division, which there's only about two teams that really actually have comfortable leads in their divisions, maybe three, that you are going to be watching some intense baseball all the way through the World Series when the World Series wraps up. But I do want to start with the Field of Dreams game that is happening because uh, this is a cool concept. Darrington, bro, welcome in. You are in the building, and we appreciate that, bro. Thank you so much. But the Field of Dreams game is going on right now, and it's been extremely unique about how this is being done because, honestly, baseball's done a great job with this, and it's extremely shocking because baseball historically does not make the right decisions, but they have done everything possible 
to play with the nostalgia that is the Field of Dreams movie from 1989, bringing Kevin Costner back the intro if you've not seen it. In fact, I'm going to tweet it out uh, on my Twitter feed at Joe Hunk uh, of Kevin Costner walking through the corn uh, and walking onto the baseball field to start the game and then turning around and all of the White Sox and New York Yankees players uh, walking out of the corn right behind him. It was magical. Look, you're talking about four minutes of no talking, okay? Like in radio, four minutes of no talking is A, a lifetime, and B, almost like suicide because you just don't do it. But Kevin Costner walking out from the corn and – the mystique, the nostalgia, uh, everything that kind of went along with it. Um, it was really cool to watch and it was really cool to see. And baseball has done this. But my question about this is, is you do something along these lines to build a sport, to build interest, to build and get it into the, the minds and the eyes of people that normally wouldn't be watching. Look, you're talking about a Thursday night in August when, one, there is preseason football going on right now. Now, a lot of this is local. So if you are not like a New England Patriots fan or you're not living in New England, you're not going to be able to watch it. Or if you're not watching it or living in Pittsburgh, you're not going to be able to watch it. But you're talking about tomorrow where a lot of NFL football games are going to be starting their preseason. And Major League Baseball does something where they put this game on national television, uh, on Fox, uh, and really kind of hype this up. And I'm curious as to some people that are watching uh, the game right now or have watched the game over the course of the last couple of hours, is it something and is it doing what baseball is hoping that it is doing? First off... And I know Ron Slay, and he hasn't hopped in just yet, but I know Ron Slay is not in this uh, group. How many people uh, have seen the movie? And I have to ask it that way because Slay has not seen Field of Dreams. And kind of the whole premise is about a movie that everybody in the world has seen. No matter if you if you like it or not, you know about Field of Dreams and about Iowa and the baseball field and all that. Some cool things about it that people don't realize – is there actually two families that own that baseball field that the Field of Dreams movie was broadcast on. In fact, they basically, that cornfield is split in half. And one family owns one half of the field. One family owns the other half. There was a point in time uh, when these families were not really on the same page with what they should do. With the field and the nostalgia, because yes, even though it was a fictional movie, you did plow up a cornfield to put a baseball field that cannot make you any money, or at least it wasn't for a period of time after that movie was was, was made. And now it's obviously a humongous tourist attraction. I mean, really, what is there to do in Iowa except go look at this baseball field? So it's something like that that. I'm curious because to me, this is something where fathers and sons can kind of watch it together. It's a cool looking venue. Uh, the uniforms are very retro, but at the same time, I kind of like these Yankees hats better than their normal hats. 
the oversized NYU or NY, it looks really, really cool. And the uniform for the Yankees, I mean, look, the Yankees have basically had the same uniforms for over a hundred years. So that's really not going to be doing anything different. The White Sox went with the uniforms basically from the movie, uh, Field of Dreams. But I feel like this is what baseball is doing to try to give the older generation, the people that grew up on the Field of Dreams movies, on Bull Durham, on Major League, and some of these movies, the opportunity to get your kids interested in baseball because outside of, of a lot of groups now, Tennessee is a little bit different because people don't realize how big of a Tennessee uh, a market in baseball that it really is when it comes to, to save Tennessee again, Nolensville is going to the little league world series and it's not like it's the first time that somebody from Nashville is going to be going to the little league world series. And so that's why we are in a very different situation when it comes to baseball, but this is something that I think baseball is trying to do to get a little bit more interest in the sport because numbers are starting to rise because now people are starting to learn how to read streaming numbers and to kind of put that in connection with the with what has been happening with the numbers as far as viewerships declining and things like that. But I'm kind of curious if, if this has given you the opportunity to talk about baseball with your kids or if they're not baseball fans or Darrington just said, he said he's never seen the movie and, and that's okay. I mean, trust me, there are some basketball movies and, and hockey movies that I've never seen because in, in fact, uh, until the pandemic, there was a slew of movies I'd never seen. And then I just basically said, look, almost every single day, I'm going to watch a brand new movie. I'd never seen Slat Shots until the pandemic hit last year. I'd heard about it. Obviously, I knew some references and things like that. I'd worked in minor league hockey. So I was kind of curious about the movie. And once I watched it, I went, oh, okay. Now I understand some of the things that people are talking about. I understand some of this stuff. Uh, Yorkie pops in with fourth place, fourth place, fourth place, which is, which is a reference from semi pro, which this may be a sin, maybe the only Will Ferrell movie that I really like. It really may be Talladega Nights. I do like, but there are not very many Will Ferrell movies that I like, but with semi pro, I can probably quote that entire movie. Uh, Yorkie, we're talking about, uh, the movie Slapshot. I had never seen it until the pandemic hit last year and it came on and I recorded it. So Field of Dreams is kind of one of those where it's been on so many times. If you've had MLB Network, they'll show it during the fall and things like that. And that's kind of the reason. Now, Darrington says, baseball for me, I feel like needs more pure black players. My son plays and we don't have black coaches, but a few and the kids need knowledge. You know, look, I totally agree with that. And, and I believe that there was a period of time, um, that major league baseball was trying to get into inner cities. You really kind of saw that, uh, when it, when it came to this inner city initiative that major league baseball was going along with, with, uh, improving some parks, helping fund some baseball leagues and things like that around, um, Honestly, uh, one of the initiatives, since we're talking about uh, talking about movies, uh, what's the movie with Keanu Reeves where, you know, I'm not going to really say, but we're going to the ship. I like it when you call me Big Papa. Uh, 
Hardball. That's it. But hardball is about that. It's a, it's about you know get, getting into an inner city and and helping black kids play. And I do agree with you, Darrington. I do believe that 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 is something that Major League Baseball is lacking. I also think um, when it with baseball and the way that baseball is concerned, it, I got to be careful. And I'm trying to think about how to say this properly. Baseball can be a very expensive sport at times. Hockey is a very expensive sport. I personally do not know how expensive AAU basketball is and some sports like that. Same thing with soccer is soccer can be a very expensive sport. And just because you get into your leagues and you get into the different types of soccer that that takes place for you to grow in the sport. And look, look, as somebody that, that played baseball and played all the way through college, you're talking about baseball bats are about three to four hundred dollars every single year. You probably don't get a new glove every single season, but you're going to get new batting gloves. You're most likely going to need new cleats, uh, probably new gear because if you're, if you're, if you have a baseball player, he's growing. So he's going to need new uniforms and all this other stuff. It isn't unlikely that you're going to spend a thousand dollars before you even play the first game. And that is, is something that I think is, is very difficult for, not just black kids, but any kids in general to try to get into the sport. Plus, this is where baseball doesn't do very well with their marketing. And, and I think Darrington is talking about pure black players, black coaches. And look, having black coaches is actually something that is a problem throughout all of sports. And, and I'm very, very confident that there are black men that can be amazing head coaches. Football coaches, basketball coaches, baseball coaches. I really do believe what that is. I believe it. There's an opportunity there. And I think that a lot of times you do hit a kind of a wall when it comes to the idea of having a black coach sometimes. And I think that these black players do need good role models and they need new good. They need good athletes to be able to look up to because look, if you think about major league baseball right now, and you look at the different players outside of your, your Aaron judges, you know, most of these of the athletes in baseball that are the, the biggest players in that sport are either going to be from a, a Spanish community or they're going to be white. I mean, you can either look at, you can look at your Bryce Harpers, but then you also turn around, look at the Braves, for instance. Ozzy Albies, he's not a, he's not American. You can also look at, uh, Ronald Acuna Jr., he's not American. Yes, you have your Freddie Freemans, but that falls into the white categories. You start looking at some of your pitchers for the Braves, your Max Freeze. Rich Rodriguez, look, we're going to talk about him, obviously, because of what's going on. They kind of fall in those two demographics. It's, there are very few, uh, you know, pure black athletes that do play baseball. And, and one of the best ones that I've remembered over the past of the course, probably five or six years would have been Adam Jones. And so that's one of the ones because Adam Jones was an amazing outfielder. The problem was he played for the Baltimore Orioles and they were never winning enough. The only time that he got a lot of publicity was when he made that amazing catch in the WBC to help America win the WBC championship game. Uh, Darrington, Barry Bonds, King Griffey Jr. Yeah, you're right. I mean, look, and that goes back to the 90s and in the 2000s and, and things like that. And look, don't get me wrong. And Barry Bonds, when he was in the 2000s 
part of what fueled him is because he did believe that there was a bit of a racism towards him. Uh, he believed that towards his, his godfather, which was Willie Mays, which that is totally true. I mean, you look at when Willie Mays played. Yes, absolutely. There was. And Barry Bonds carried that with him. Barry Bonds was extremely angry over the fact that the two people that were quote unquote bringing the sport back was a white guy, Mark McGuire, and it was Sammy Sosa. And those are the two that were, again, and those two were the ones that were getting the love. And Sammy Sosa barely spoke English. And Barry Bonds was extremely jealous of that. That's what, that's what got him to start wanting to take steroids. And that is it. If you watch our go read game of shadows, it's talked, it talks a lot about that and about how in the, in the late nineties, Barry Bonds was extremely angry and felt that he did deserve more credit. And that was part of the reason why he left Pittsburgh. And what people don't realize is he was almost an Atlanta Brave. The The Braves actually had this amount of money. Think of it when you're in the NBA and you're saying, hey, look, we can give one max deal. The Braves had this amount of money. Do we give it to Barry Bonds? Do we give it to Greg Maddox? You know which way the Braves went? You knew exactly what they did. And... Darrington says, you think it's because how the Negro League was blackballed for so long? No, I absolutely do believe that. I do believe that the the thing about the Negro Leagues and the way that the Negro Leagues were used and the way that they were portrayed and the way that they never got the best uniforms, they obviously never got the best field conditions, they obviously didn't get the best buses or any of the best hotel arrangements or any of those things. Some people were having to sleep on buses. They obviously didn't get the best food. Obviously, in that period of time, black people were getting and were given second and third hand stuff because of the way that society saw them. And it was extremely wrong. But if people realize or don't know, um, I do a lot of stuff in Kansas city and Kansas city is home to the Negro league museum. And if you ever have the opportunity to go there, you absolutely need to, because when it comes to Negro league history, they have done an absolute amazing job when it comes to trying to preserve the history of the Negro leagues and even get some of that history out that people don't realize. Look, people also don't know, what this means when it was it was a period of time where it wasn't just the fact that the Negro Leagues weren't getting a lot of exposure. They weren't even there. A lot of things, their game cards, their logs, their history as far as statistics and all of that sort of stuff that has been totally lost because of the fact so many people were not paying attention and they were not given the opportunity to report what was happening in the Negro leagues, the same way that they were reporting what was going on in major league baseball and the reporters weren't treated the same. And so a lot of this history is something that major league baseball is going to be needing to use and find over the course of the next decade or so, because it wasn't until what, maybe about four or five months ago, maybe even maybe at the very beginning or the turn of the year from 20 to 21, where Major League Baseball announced that they were going to start recognizing Negro League records and Negro League stats. And so the problem with that is, is that a lot of these players stats and historically, 
you're not able to find. You're not able to find what some people do. Buck O'Neill is an amazing one, and he is an amazing pioneer when it came to the Negro Leagues. Obviously, he played on the Kansas City Monarchs. Jackie Robinson played on the the Kansas City Monarchs. And you had this these groups of players where a lot of their stats have just gone away and they're, they're can't be found. So trying to figure out where these stats are and if they're legitimate. See, that's the other part of this that comes to it. And we've went totally down a, a wormhole when talking about the Negro Leagues is a lot of times Negro League teams and a lot of other teams, for instance, would spend their time trying to fill their schedule with teams that were not true affiliated teams. So if you were a Negro League teams, you needed a game. You may pick it up and it may seriously be nine guys that are playing out there that are all out there in their suits. Because again, back in the twenties and thirties, that's what you wore to go play baseball in after you got finished with work. You didn't, you know, change into your baseball uniform and that's what they played with. And so some of these games may not even have counted. And so now they're having to kind of figure out which games counted, how many, and I want to say, is it Joe Gibson? I want to say who it is that potentially could actually be the home run king. And because he allegedly hit over like 800 home runs throughout his career in the Negro Leagues. But we can't find the stats and, and, and confirm that because so many so much of that's been lost. So the Negro Leagues part of it is another thing that I think that baseball needs to do with integrating it. I think that I totally believe that kind of like what they do with the Jackie Robinson weekend, like they do with Mother's Day and a Father's Day weekend. I really do believe that with all these cities that have connections to Negro League teams, they need to wear those uniforms, to showcase the history, to use that to get back into the community and get back into some of the inner cities as well as go to other the, the heavily black communities to teach them about baseball and things like that. Because I don't think that the, the black community do get involved with baseball as much because I don't think that they have the ability to connect with the players like they can in the NBA and even in, in the NFL with the way that, that football is going. Uh, next question, uh, why ba- why doesn't baseball spend money on advertising for the players like other sports, even soccer players, golf, golfers, of course, basketball and football players to see faces? No, that is absolutely uh, one thing that baseball does wrong. And all of this is connected, by the way, because we are talking about the fact that baseball is doing this, this Rickwood baseball or Rickwood. I just read that from Yorkie, but this, uh, this field of dreams game that's happening right now. And this is actually a really good opportunity to try to connect the stars and connect the youth to to the older generation and try to get kids more interested in baseball by doing something cool like this. Look, if you don't realize and you don't know, and obviously I talk about how much I play video games. I mean, heck, we talk about it in our Comcast commercials. But even MLB The Show has added this baseball field into its game. So this entire week... You've been trying to do some of the tasks and some of these moments and all this stuff with your Diamond Dynasty team. You're doing it at this field of dreams that, that they have built and into the game. Again, it's a way to kind of integrate these baseball games and, and make it where more kids are interested in the game. Uh, Dashville says, says the Nashville Stars, uh, 
on deck. No, I absolutely agree. And I really, really hope that when Nashville does get a team, and I'm bit on record by saying that I want Nashville to to get the Tampa Bay Rays, I really do hope that they do go with that Nashville Stars name. And I think that that would be something that, one, it would be extremely marketable. Uh, and two, it would it would go back to that history that I really, truly believe that baseball teams are, are really kind of lacking. Look, the Cleveland Indians missed a humongous opportunity to connect their Cleveland Indians name. And when they were changing the name to the Guardians, which is so stupid, but in doing so, you could have went to and went back and found the name of a Negro League team that was playing there because that does have a connection to the city. Look, outside of, you know, some cities, a lot of these cities have some great Negro League names. I mean, the Kansas City Monarchs is an amazing baseball name in there. And so uh, you can see some of those names, the Nashville Stars, which for people that don't know, the Nashville Stars was actually a minor league baseball team for the Negro Leagues. It was a Negro League minor league team in Nashville because when the Negro Leagues were around, Nashville still wasn't a major city. People don't realize how long and how actually short it's been since this boom that has kind of happened in Nashville. It started obviously in the 80s. You do see a lot because of the country music scene and because of music. But in the 80s and 90s, that's when you really started to see them. Uh, Yorkie says that the Birmingham Black Bears, yes, they played at Rickwood Field in, in Birmingham. Uh, Rickwood Field, which has still been preserved. Uh, you can go there. There have been a few movies that have been filmed there. As a matter of fact, uh, 42 with Jackie Robinson, which I see a lot of people are talking about that in the chat. The, uh, that is something that was filmed there. Uh, you also have Ty Cobb, which is probably the worst person that I could possibly bring up when talking about, uh, black players in baseball because he was a humongous racist, but allegedly, but I think that's on record. So I don't know if I have to say allegedly, but you know, those are some of them. There are some amazing ways that Major League Baseball could connect with the Negro League pass. And I really, truly believe that that is something that Major League Baseball does not do well enough. Like, again, this whole Iowa thing is is tremendous because it is connecting a lot of dads and a lot of kids that grew up on that movie to the field of dreams. The problem with that is, is how are you going to grow the sports and is there going to be other ways that you could grow baseball and the bringing in and the black coaches and things like that i totally believe that major league baseball needs to do a much better job when trying to get more black kids to play the sport it is something that has been talked about for years and i think that if they truly want to grow the sport in america the way that they should then they need to focus on that because the kids that are are from your Spanish communities, your Dominican republics and and some of these that are that we're starting to see a lot of these baseball players come from, they are going to continue to do so and so, but the black community is one one struggles. Yes, the oldest baseball park in America is Rickwood in Birmingham. Uh, that is the oldest park in fact. There's another baseball stadium that is in Memphis, and I'm trying to – I know it's not in Memphis. It's in Chattanooga, as a matter of fact. 
and I have forgotten what its name is. Maybe somebody that's watching or listening can help me out with that. But it's an old baseball park, and the baseball. And the best way for me to describe it is there is a car that is in center field that is in the wall. If you've been to Chattanooga and you've played baseball there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. 42 was was filmed there as well. But the history with that stadium is if you've ever looked it up, there is a story. I don't know if it's actually considered an urban legend or not, but there was a female that was part of this baseball team that at some point in time, the New York Yankees were coming through because they were traveling via train and they were going to play in Chattanooga. And this girl got on the mound and she struck out. If I remember it correctly, it was Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig and Joe DiMaggio. I, I believe that is correct, but you can look that up. And that actually happened in Chattanooga as well. So some of those, those things are going to be a part in how the sport does need to grow. And Brad says that, that we need to wear 42 more than just one time a year. I think that, that there needs to be something, uh, about, look, I understand in Jackie Robinson and what he did is absolutely amazing. And if you've never seen the movie 42, if you've never read the book, about Jackie Robinson. It first off, it's one of these like war and peace type books. It's extremely deep. And I think that that is something that major league baseball really does need to show more love to a lot of the black athletes uh, from the past, because there are a lot of them. And being from the state of Alabama, South Alabama had a ton of amazing black athletes that came from them between Hank Aaron and Willie Mays. And I, want to say Willie Stargell? I believe, no, 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 Willie McCovey. That's who it is. Willie McCovey also came from South Alabama. Those are some of the th- players that should. Now, all right, now we're getting some more questions about the Braves. Let me go back up here because we have had some that have come in as have we been uh, or as we have been talking about the Field of Dreams game. Put Will Smith in middle relief. He stinks. Rodriguez should be the new closer. Um, I fully agree with you. I, I don't think that there is a Braves fan, uh, and that's Clark that's getting that comment in. I don't think that there's a Braves fan right now that does disagree with you. The problem that we've seen a lot of times with, with, with Snitker is it's good and bad. He's a very loyal person, and he is very loyal to giving his players an opportunity to see if they can come out of slumps. The problem with this is, is Will Smith is not an amazing closer, at least in 2021. He has been in the past. He did very well for the San Francisco Giants before he came over to Atlanta. But this season, he is not that. He's got a very high three-plus ERA. And the problem with this is, is that when I look at how a pitcher is doing, when you hear that a pitcher has a three-plus ERA, okay, that's not a big deal. If you're a starter... It's a solid ERA. Obviously, you want to be in the low threes or the high twos. That's going to put you from being a solid starter to a high-end, top-of-the-rotation starter to potentially an all-star if you can get an ERA into the, the two. Now, the biggest question that is going to hop up about Will Smith is, is this a bump or is this something that you're truly going to need to make a change. Because with Rich Rodriguez, and again, using the word rich 
Rodriguez is very strange because I've also covered a lot of college football and Rich Rod was never really that amazing. But you do have Richard Rodriguez, which is the Rodriguez that we are talking about. The Braves made the trade for him at the very end of the deadline. What I mean, that was kind of like a 359 on the four o'clock limit of making this trade in. Rich Rod coming into this, coming in for the Braves had 14 saves for the Pittsburgh Pirates. They're not a good team. The thing is, is he had a 2.38 ERA. In comparison, Will Smith has a 3.86 ERA. That's why you're starting to see this, this call for Rich Rodriguez to be playing over Will Smith. Now, Rich Rodriguez is not really a strikeout pitcher. Will Smith has struck out more. But when you start looking at, at other statistics that are extremely important, like, like whip, which means walks and hits, Per inning. So, and if you hear of a player like, let's use Mark Melanson, for instance, because he's number one in baseball when it comes to saves for the San Diego Padres. Braves fans, I know that sucks to hear. But he has a whip of 1.16. That means whenever he is pitching, he is either, he is going to at least give up one hit or walk every inning he pitches. Using that as a guide, Rich Rod has a point, uh, has a 0.79 whip. Will Smith has a 1.14, still better than Mark Melanson, but not as good as Rich Rodriguez. And what I think has has happened, and you, I think this goes back to what you were talking about and what we have been talking about with Will Smith and about how he's not being a good closer. For Snitker, this is a very fine line because closing pitchers are mental. You put closers in that same category that you will be putting field goal kickers. You put closers in that same category that you'll talk about these, these basketball free throw shooters that just cannot make it. You, they're in these head spaces. You can talk about potentially goalies and things like this. You, you never want to get into this bad head space and there's a certain mentality when it comes to closing. In fact, I know, I know we were talking about the Field of Dreams game. By the way, it's 7-6 to six right now. But they talked to Lim Hendricks uh, just a little while ago, and they were talking about when does he start to get focused and start to turn into the closer. And he says, look, I don't start to even think about that until the 7th, 8th, or 7th, 8th inning. Because for the most part, I know that I'm not, don't even need to focus on it because I'm going to mentally wear myself out. There is a switch in a, in a closer's mind that you have to flip. And it is this bulldog. It is this, this lion type mentality of I am going to go out there and you are not going to touch me. The problem is when you can look at guys like, like Kimbrell, who is now Chicago White Sox. And you can look at, at your Raldis Chapman's and you can look at some of those closers, even Mark Melanson for the most part. <laughs> Sorry, Brad. I know Titans do not have a good kicker right now. Actually, I don't really know if they have a kicker. They may not even try to kick a field goal tomorrow night. No, they probably need to kick a lot of field goals right now. In fact, it should be first and five and the Titans may need to start kicking field goals just so they can work on that. But a lot of times with that, that bulldog mentality that you talk about with a closer, that also comes with having a, a fastball that is virtually untouchable. And most of the time, Will Smith is throwing about 92, 93, 94. 
that's a starting pitcher type velocity. Uh, you can look at something, uh, like Michael Kopech, for instance, who throws 101, 102. By the way, if you play MLB the show, get Michael Kopech, put him in your rotation and use him because he throws fire. But, Michael Kopech, when he was coming up through the White Sox organization, speaking of the Bears, he, they was going through the White Sox farm system. He was being brought in as a close or as a, as a starter. And this entire time with that velocity, I continued to think this guy is not a closer or he's not a starter. He is a closer. And eventually they've kind of started to change over and they've started to make him into a closer. You saw him pitching the seventh inning now and he got extremely mad. Speaking of, of people that are getting mad right now, Yankees are now up eight to seven because of Giancarlo Stanton. But that's that velocity that you're going to see. And a lot of times, a lot of closers have that good velocity. Will Smith does not have that. And I think that that's another reason where I don't believe that he is going to be the person that is going to be in those clutch situations come September and come October for the Atlanta Braves. Rich Rod, that is going to be another one that I want to see. <laughs> no, it's it's not seven of eight. It's it's eight to seven, I should say. Whenever that is, is, is happening right now, I have the baseball game going on directly behind me as we speak. And so now I'm trying to keep up with what is going on. And, and I'm looking right now and I'm trying to see what the velocity is for Rich Rodriguez whenever he does pitch and his average exit velocity when pitching, it varies based on, on what his pitches are going to be. Now with his max, Exit velocity, he's also not throwing anywhere higher than about the mid-90s. His average exit velocity is going to be at about 92, 93 miles per hour. He throws a fastball and a slider. Those are his two most predominant pitches. In fact, I don't think he throws anything else but that. And the thing is, is he also likes to have those fastballs a little bit higher in the zone. If you're not going to be throwing those for three and four and and getting into your... 98, 97, then yes, it's going to be talked about. Oh, okay, I'm sorry, Brad. Brad hopped in. He says, what is it, Joe, seven of eight? He's talking about the last eight baseball games. I believe it's six of eight because I know the Braves lost to uh, one to the Nationals that they should not have lost. They also lost the one to the Reds. So I want to believe they're six and two in their last eight, just off the top of my head. And... Darrington says Hendricks looks so gassed in his 20 pitches. Look, and that's where another thing is coming in is I think Will Pitt, Will Smith has pitched way too much and you will see this, that drop and in velocity. And that is where a problem is going to continue to come in for the Braves as well. I believe in all of this to say that. Snitker is having to be very careful because he knows if he is going to move Will Smith to that setup role, that seventh or eighth inning, and put Rich Rodriguez at that closing position, he is going to have to keep Will Smith invested because that is something that is very difficult. And he does know, look, as much as Will Smith has struggled, 
He could have a really good role as a setup pitcher. You can look at your Sean Newcombs, for instance. Newcomb, who did not do well as a starter, eventually became a really good bullpen pitcher before he got injured. And and by the way, if you missed it a little while ago, speaking of the Braves pitching, uh, the pitcher that pitched tonight for the Atlanta Braves, I know a lot of Braves fans were really upset because obviously he came into the game with a low to ERA, I believe it was like 2.36 going into this game. He's now been optioned to Gwinnett because you know he's going to be coming back and you know he's going to be pitching Tuesday night against the Marlins. So that is another one of those pitchers for the Braves. They're starting to get healthier. They brought back Darno. He played yesterday. He did not play today, mainly because yesterday was his first day back and he, and he caught an 11 inning ball game. Now, a lot of times, regardless as, as how long you've been catching, most of the time, if you're a catcher, you're not going to catch a day game after catching a night game. The, the, Coaches try to save your knees on that. So that's the reason why Darno did not start. But he is back. You know what's going to be back. You're going to continue to get some of these Braves back. Look, the fact that the Braves on August 12th are just one game back after being tied with the Phillies earlier today for first place, Braves fans have nothing to complain about, okay? That's the reason why just a second ago, and you see it right there, it's titled Buckle Up because the next 60 days is about to be extremely fun for Braves fans. It's going to be nerve-wracking. It's going to piss you off. It's going to get you extremely excited. It is going to give you, and you're going to go through every single potential emotion that you possibly can just by watching a Braves baseball game. Look, truth be told, this is where I spend majority of my time. This is kind of like my man cave. If you're watching on Zone TV, I've got my television set up right there. I've got my PS5 directly to my right right now. I'm normally playing MLB The Show and I've got a baseball game going on. Do you realize how angry I was last night because Heredia couldn't get the bunt down? And then you could hear Jeff Francoeur during the broadcast going, look, uh, this pitcher is not really throwing a strike. He can't throw his fastball for a strike. His slider isn't going over for a strike. If I'm Heredia, I'm going to be holding. I'm not going to swing at the next pitch. There's the first, there you go. Just swing at the pitch. Why don't you? Thank you. I didn't want you to do that. I wanted you to be patient, but because you weren't, you got out. And next thing you know, we thought the Braves were going to lose until Ozzy decided that he wanted to stroke one into the chop house and put that on top of somebody's nachos that they just paid $22 for, for a little bee basket about this big, because that's exactly how much stuff costs whenever you go to Truist Park. But Get excited about it. If you are a Braves fan, then this is something that you, you've been wanting for. I didn't think the Braves should be buyers at the trade deadline. I will admit to being wrong because they are now the best team in the NL East. That's the only way that they're going to be getting into the playoffs. And they're most likely going to have to play the Milwaukee Brewers because outside of the Reds, that is the only team in the NL Central that is still going for it. The Cubs were sellers. The Pirates were sellers. Obviously, that's how the Braves got Rich Rodriguez. And it's the Reds, and it is the Brewers. Donnie, I appreciate that, man. Donnie says Jesus loves you so much. I appreciate that. 
I really, really do. And I agree with you. And thank you for that. Make sure that you're always watching or listening on Zone TV. Download that 104.5 The Zone app. Make sure that you give us a follow, give us a like, give us a share. I appreciate everybody that hopped on to talk about it with us. And you can always follow me at Joe Huck. Talk some baseball with me on Twitter. It is that easy. And trust me, man. I'm going to have some fun. We are going to have some fun over the course of the next 60 days because this baseball season, this is when it really starts to get fun because now you've got playoff baseball starting to get closer because, look, let's be honest, every single game for the Braves right now is a playoff game, like every single game is. So you have that. If you're Titans fans or even an NFL fan, you've got the preseason starting. College football is getting going. And I, and, and I cannot wait for that. Darrington, I appreciate you. Brad, thanks for hopping in. My man, Yorkie, I appreciate you. Everybody else that watched tonight, thank you so much for doing so. Make sure that you go give us a like, give us a rating on our Apple podcast so we can get that number up just a little bit. Every single vote helps. And so thank you guys so much. Uh, tomorrow, make sure that you are listening to 104.5 The Zone. Uh, 3HL gets going at 3 o'clock. At 4 o'clock, we go into Titans pregame coverage. At 5 o'clock, we send it over to Atlanta. Where Rhett Bryan and Amy get going with the with the pregame show there, and then kickoff for the Titans and Falcons is going to be at 6 o'clock on 104.5 The Zone. And thank you. Why would you say no? Th- oh, thank you. No, thank you, man. Darrington, I love you guys. Thank you so much for everybody that's going. Make sure that you are back here next Thursday, 9 o'clock. We'll have some more fun, talk a little bit more baseball with you. And, guys, you know what? I want to say thank you so much for allowing us to have a really good intellectual discussion about the Negro Leagues and everything today. That's one thing that I absolutely love about Nashville is how much and how good the conversation can be and how well everybody respects each other. And I just absolutely love it. And I cannot say thank you enough. I will talk to you tomorrow. I will see you guys tomorrow. Have a great night and go back and and finish watching this field of dreams game. And if you want to play me on MLB, the show Joe hunk 27, give me a follow, give me an ad. We'll play some MLB, the show. We'll talk to you starting tomorrow at three o'clock on three HL.